Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Dave Hanrady and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 70 of the No Encore Music Podcast. We're all back in action this week following Longitude Festival. We all got great tans at home by not going to the festival, Cullum. Yeah, I wasn't having any of it this year, to be no, fair. No, was I. Craig, what about you? Hello, hello. No, I was just um, tanning in my back garden. How'd that go? Very pleasant, yeah. It was great. Very good. I like your uh, your hello, hello there. I know, I'm just... D- um, it's a teaser. Foreshadowing. foreshadowing. Teaser yeah, for what this episode's thoughts. all about. But someone who was at Longitude is our brand new sonic architect, Eve Murray. Hello, Eve. Hi. Hello, hello, hello. Woo! Oh, Woo! What we do, we can't call the song <laughs> Yeah, so, so, so we, yeah, we, we had to banish uh, producer Alan. After a fight. Yeah. We just had a fight. With his big hands. He's got massive hands. He's got massive hands. <laughs> Can you explain this to listeners real quick? Alan was on the Sunday Business, business Post. <laughs> Very broad last sheet week. of him, yeah. And uh, yeah, but but just took a photo of it on his phone at an unfortunate angle that made his hands look about like half the size of his entire body. I wouldn't say unfortunate. He was probably going for that look. It's kind of like a rumor. You know what they say about entrepreneurs with big hands? But they look cold and podcast networks. They look blue. (laughs) So I was so repulsed that I ordered him banished from the podcast. Mm -hmm. So we brought Eve in, who's doing a great job so far. But Eve, how was Longitude? Because you went there. That was our link. I did, and that was actually the first time I'd ever been to Longitude. Okay. So my first experience, I'd been to lecture picking and stuff like that before. Um, went on Sunday, uh, was overwhelmed by the amount of teenagers mm. and uh, children alike. Children? Yeah, yeah I, my poor parents came along as well, and I think they were shook to the core with like the age group of people. Um, <laughs> I've never seen as many like derrieres before in my life. <laughs> That'll happen, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, never seen as many young people in my life, actually, like completely off their bazookas ever and this was on the Sunday which was like probably the more gentlemen of the road take over yeah Yeah. I was getting ready for like brown leather shoes and like kind of like slacks and stuff like that wasn't there this year (laughs) that was not the case that was not the case so you were there because you're actually a Mumford and Sons fan is this is this true this is yes I can confirm this 
I fear a second banishment coming on. Yeah, I know. I think it's mainly her dad is the Mumford and Sons fan. He does love Mumford and Sons. He does. Mind you, I, I, I'm guilty. I'm guilty as charged. How were they? They were actually pretty dang good. <laughs> and Big Hosier came out at some point. Big Hosier did come yeah. out, which actually Very people trauma. screamed louder for than Mumford and Sons, in my opinion. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah, he he was Hometown actually hero. very good. Boy done good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like a replay of the Bray song. Ray Bluesman. <laughs> From the wilds of Enniscary. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It was a replay of a song they did at Glastonbury whenever they did the headliners. Oh. So as soon as they started those opening chords, I was like, ah. Oh, here we go. <laughs> he's, they, he's waiting in the wings. I'm guessing they finished the show kind of all around the one mic at the front of the stage. Or exactly. maybe even down in the, yeah, stomping. Yeah, yeah, you didn't even have to be there to like predict what was going to happen. <laughs> okay. What else uh, caught your eye that day? Um, what else caught my eye? Milky Chance was actually pretty good. Right. Um, I had never seen them before. My friend was a big fan, so she dragged me along at about four o'clock which I was a bit grumpy about <laughs> um, and then Leon Bridges was fantastic really, yeah really good. he's very good I do like him yeah he is good yeah he was also a great interview actually because he legit was washing dishes like six months before I talked to him like uh, professionally like he didn't have a contract and hadn't really made I thought I mean, he gave up the art of washing dishes he just leaves in filth now he just buys new uh, cutlery every single day because yeah. he's rich he's just got those disposable paper plates <laughs> every day is like an 8 year old's birthday party for Leon Bridges okay <laughs> I don't know how to follow that uh, anything else of note from Long apart from general disarray um, Really, I actually thought General Disarray was playing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> no, not really. I or or reggae. <laughs> <laughs> Let me talk. <laughs> the uh, the lineup was pretty dry this year. I think mm. it wasn't too great. Like considering the past few years, it was a little bit kind of meh. So mm. I think they did they did well with what they had, to be honest. And yeah, the weekend and all that sort of stuff was playing. Well, obviously, I wasn't there. So yeah, yeah I, 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 I heard it, he was only all right. Um, but to be fair, I think like his show is probably more conducive to an indoor uh, place. Although he was uh, drinking in the International Bar on Friday night. There was a photograph of him doing the rounds. Yeah, what the hell's going on with the International Bar drawing like celebrities of music? Because I was going to say, like, week, you know, Chris Martin had popped in there. I was uh, like, Pick a better boozer, Abel. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I was stumbling by there around that time. Good thing I didn't see him. I would have been like, oh my God, how's it going, man? Yeah, I saw at least one person confessing to seeing The weekend knocking around Dublin and just be like, do you have any tickets? <laughs> Did they? No. Oh, okay, right, good. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I wasn't there. Glad no, I wasn't there. No, you weren't there on the Friday to see <laughs> Picture This as a glorious moment. No? Who? <laughs> <laughs> you got in a bit of trouble this week, Dave. I did. Uh, I can't even explain this. So, okay. It's for difficult. A- for anyone who doesn't know, why don't you tell us who Picture This are? Because you're a big fan. Well, picture this are... Friend uh, of the band. Responsible friend, for their success, the I would say. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I'm not going to take full responsibility, but I did interview them for Cover Story Hot Press once and didn't public interview after that, which was ludicrously busy. Um, they're two-piece from Athai. They make fairly middle-of-the-road, very middle-of-the-road, incredibly middle-of-the-road, uh, <laughs> kind of indie pop balladry, I suppose. Um, they don't have an album out yet, but that hasn't stopped them from announcing a three arena That's date. crazy, yeah. Yeah, the whole thing, to be perfectly honest. They played their first ever gig in the Academy um, and sold it out. So, yeah, nothing really makes sense as far as these guys are concerned. Um, Dave. Hi. Voiced some confusion. I did. And it's not the first time I've done it either. But look, okay, look, I've got a Twitter account and I say things. What? And <laughs> yeah. You're online now? I'm online in the digital age. So I got a press release about their three arena show and I, off the cuff, took to Twitter and I just, you know, threw out a snarky enough tweet which was basically you know pouring some cold water on the state of bland mainstream irish indie that i that has done very well and all i said was um 
what was it I said again? Trying if, to if you played a part in... T- I said you really have to ask yourself serious questions uh, as a human being if you've helped get picture this to arena headlining level. Now, okay, like, you I mean, like... I've like, like Cullum did, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I hope you've asked yourself some questions. The famous O'Regan bump. <laughs> Look, I'm not going uh, like, to... Th- there was a backlash to this tweet, shall we say. Uh, my, I, I've been inundated by picture this fans giving me grief some of whom were good at it, and some of whom really need to learn how to, you know, construct a decent insult. What was the best that you got? You, you kind of had to doff your cap to. Was oh yeah, there was one girl who said, "Don't be so han ratty" uh, in block capitals, and I said, "I said, well played, well done. I enjoyed it." But like, yeah, some people came out and they were like, you know, like, why? I'm really interested to know why. And it's like, listen, I'm not going to do the whole lighten up, man. It's just a joke thing because I feel like that can be like odd deflection and backtracking that I'm not necessarily going to say. But what I will say is, I quite obviously wasn't being literal. <laughs> like, it was me being snarky about a music act that are popular and successful that I happen to think are quite bland. They're going to be fine. Yeah, It's not like I'm... It's not a personal malicious attack. I think their music is terrible. And who'd have thought that a form of communication limited to 140 characters might suffer from a lack of context? And also, yeah, like like cold text with no kind of context to yeah. it really i mean like like, like i'm not backtracking I, I think they're dreadful but like i just thought it was if you, but you think lots of stuff is dreadful it's amazing that this has got fire in the i'm middle. really surprised <laughs> like i'm genuinely shocked because like, it turns out they have like a hardcore fan base yeah. uh as they describe themselves we are an army we are a team which i believe is management slogan as well which is quite embarrassing it's what i believe uh, this is like an official picture of this thing like their management say that shit. is it is what i've heard off the record all right uh, off the record. well on the podcast sounds more like an excerpt from like mousy tongues little red book or it's something. all very weird as was the grief i've been getting but look bring it on i can take it i'm just not really <laughs> going to engage with it because i don't see the point in getting into a big fucking war over it uh other reviews of the festival have pointed them out as being particularly lower than average as a band it's quite mystifying how well they're doing I don't actually mean that their fans are like themselves. Like, I don't actually genuinely wish any fucking like ill will on them. It was just me taking the piss. Yeah, it's all criticism right. with peace and love, as Ringo might say. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like all I know is I'm never, ever, ever tweeting about them ever again. So good shit. You happy now? Yeah, you happy now? Craig, what have you been up to? Um, well, apparently, according to the running order, <laughs> I finished <laughs> cleaning my room, which says a lot about my social life, doesn't it? I just guessed. <laughs> I did actually, yeah. It's very tidy. Um, I don't know. I was, I was half thinking. I spent so long looking at back issues of music magazines. Just like this might make an interesting no encore segment. Right? I was just like, I'm losing my mind. So that's not <laughs> happening. But yeah, room is clean. That's the update. Very good. Well, we don't actually have an album to review this week for a rare change on the show because we didn't really feel there's anything worth getting into. But there'll be plenty to talk about next week, and yeah. we'll get into that at some point. But we are bringing back. Our No Encore Listening Guide. And later in the show, we'll be talking about you too. But first, to conclude a segment that we started off the cuff a couple of weeks ago, Colm Regan is going to give us his top 10 favourite songs of all time. Yeah. Uh, usual disclaimers that we've heard from the other two. This was really annoying to do, and I really regret having to leave some songs off it. Yeah. also found it really difficult to try to find songs that like I'm always in the mood to hear. So I think okay. I've somehow ended up with something like maybe slightly more sentimental and subjective than <laughs> actually, you know, the greatest that. songs of all time yeah. or whatever. Uh, and yeah, and final thing to point out is, um, as per Craig's request, um, I put it in reverse alphabetical order. Thank you very much. So, um, yeah, so uh, first, uh, Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's Maps. Brilliant. Uh, I know yeah. you mentioned that you were 
you know, disappointed to leave it out. I couldn't. It's a stunning tune. Yeah. Uh, next, Stevie Wonder, Superstition. I could probably do a top 10 Stevie Wonder tunes and not really feel bad about putting any of them at the top. Yeah. Um, and as, as Dave knows, I played that um, constantly for six months. <laughs> Your Spotify, Spotify, Spotify said that you were listening to it all the time. All the and time. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> I was like, what's going on? Um, it is a good song. I have uh, The Smiths and Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now. Um, I feel it, like listening to that the whole time. <laughs> does, does it, you know what? Because I think it's the perfect clash of like Morrissey's like lyrical stoicism, basically, and Johnny Meyer with like playful, yeah, it's melody. A guitar it's it's a nice sort of a combination, as it were. Um, Cigarose, Hopipola, um, superb. In danger of getting ruined by montages. I feel. And that guy at that festival. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's how good a song it is. The guy at Oxygen 2006 couldn't ruin this song. That says something. <laughs> Um, Massive Attack Teardrop I think is yeah. epic I prefer Angel and but it's amazing it's something that I've been talking about a lot in this podcast in the past as well that I love songs that like slowly build up to the point where you're like holy shit how am I waiting for a drop this is the most gentle tune I've ever heard mm-hmm. and it does it brilliantly um, Grimes Kill vs. Mame Ooh, it might be wow. the best song of the past five years I mean like what? I love it <laughs> I think it's just an amazing tune it is brilliant um, it's batshit obviously um, and but then so are you. Some yeah, and somehow I think maybe because of the frantic energy it just doesn't age or something. Um, like you. <laughs> of, uh, uh, Al Green, let's stay together. It's Pulp Fiction fan, is it? Maybe <laughs> one of the song. most seductive songs ever. Like I love it. Um, Frightened Rabbit, keep yourself warm. Um, again, it's another one of slightly sentimental value, I suppose, for myself. But I, I do love it. it it's kind of like funny and furious, and actually kind of sweet beneath it all. A bit like him. And finally, and I barely could even choose which version of the song to go with but i've gone for jeff buckley's hallelujah um i don't just that voice (laughs) (laughs) that that voice married with yeah just an amazing piece of songwriting um yeah rounds out the list very heavy list i would say yeah a little bit yeah yeah Yeah. we'll do eves next week i presume top 10 yeah Top 10 Mumford and Sons. Oh, can I also Sonic say, Architect. by the way, there was a criticism of my list. There was. That I said that uh, Alex Chilton was the greatest, possibly the greatest rock song of all time. And then had three more rock songs. Well, I didn't list. have, tr- I, don't, I think I had one more rock song, didn't I? Like, last night was about the only all-out traditional rock song you could have there. And I even said at the time that last night possibly isn't the, even the greatest stroke song, but it was favourites, okay? Favourites. I also so want to change. for sentimental reasons, I also want to change my list. I want to take out. Oh, yeah, so do I. I, I want to take out Black Skin yeah. Head by Kanye West and place it with Streetlights is what I should have gone with in the first oh. place. Okay. Let, let's move on to the news one. We will. Uh, well, okay, all this talk about songs and songs you've never heard of before or whatever. There's a song out there, and I got a press release about it. It's the most streamed song of all time, and I swear, it's about six months, right? And I swear I hadn't heard it once, not in six I'd heard of it, but I never heard a single snippet of it. So let's have a snippet of it right now. Despacito, quiero desnudarte a besos despacito. Duermo en las paredes de tu laberinto. Y hacer de tu cuerpo todo un manuscrito. Dave, hang on. Like you went to see Bieber shortly he after didn't play the explosion. It. Oh, I know that, but nonetheless, it just never even came across your radar. Like no, I wasn't like polling the fans, being like, "Hey, what do you think he's going to play?" I don't think I'd heard it either. Yeah. Like what the fuck? It passed me by. Yeah, 
No, I'd heard it. Apparently, it's quite big in terms of like football terraces and stuff across across the world. And a friend well, of mine, South America in particular, obviously, it, it's banned in Malaysia. Apparently, okay, because apparently the if the translation of the lyrics it's are called Desposito, by the way, in case mm. you're wondering. Yeah, sorry, and I've got some of the translation of the lyrics here. Uh, I want to see your hair dance. Is one line. Let me trespass your danger zones. Is another. Hey. <laughs> Um, there's another line about being firmly in the walls of your labyrinth. It's Kings of Leon. <laughs> it's like Chris Martin if he was trying and really, sorry, really hard. To finish that, and of your body, I want to create a manuscript. <laughs> so, glad it's not in Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, like, you know, people are saying, like, how is this song so big? And, like, at least part of it is down to the fact that a lot of people don't know what the lyrics are saying. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is. And as well, I think that actually helps in terms of just like repeated listens because, you know, there's still a sense of the unfamiliar. You're not getting wildly tired of something when you still don't understand it. Uh, there's also a thing where like kind of Latin flavored pop always hits really big in the US. Yeah. It's like a well, kind of smooth thing. Yeah. Or... I mean, they've said that this is kind of like, you say, Santana's <laughs> yeah. classic smooth. Again, though, that's that, number that... one for about two years. It's going, it's going <laughs> back quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. um, yeah. Apparently, this is kind of like the first in a while that's managed to do that. Well, and obviously, quite... Bieber is the catalyst. Yeah, Bieber is the catalyst. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, Sorry by Bieber was the one that kind of held this previous record. Mm. But hats off to Louis Fonzi and Daddy Yankee for this. It's quite the milestone. And as a matter of fact, this gives us the chance to once again pay tribute to vampire lord and saviour himself, Sir Lucian Grange. Okay, I swear to God, right? I read He's th- a sir. I read this, right? Is. And I was like, he was not knighted the last time no, I talked about him. And he wasn't. I went back and yeah, he only got uh, named a knight at the end of 2016. For what? So services to music. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> services to streaming platforms. <laughs> services to great names. He's uh, the chairman and the CEO of Universal Music Group. That name again is Sir Lucian Grange. Definitely yeah. the Illuminati. Definitely, definitely. definitely like Castlevania Lucian Grange. And he said, uh, Louis Fonzi already had the undisputed reigning defending, I presume, would follow, biggest song of the year. And now he's setting even bigger records. Streaming has opened up the possibility of a song with a different beat from a different culture and in a different language to become a juggernaut of success around the world. My congratulations to Louis Fonzi, Daddy Yankee, and Justin Bieber, as well as everyone who was involved. Now, I don't want to kind of belittle their achievement. Sounds like you're about to. These streaming records in the last, say, year and a half have been consistently broken over and over again. So is it more of a case that just more people are... Signing up to streaming without services. a shadow of a doubt, yeah. like it's not like these songs are more popular than anything no. that's gone before. It's just okay, and they're getting better reading probably the algorithm and who's listening to what. So it's it's kind of it means nothing to me essentially. <laughs> is what I'm yeah. saying, guys. It's slowly growing essentially, like, and so the numbers are going to keep gro- going up. It's changing the game, though. As yeah. a matter of fact, we can finally officially, without any further ado, declare that rock is in fact dead, <laughs> and hip hop is king. Yeah, well, to streaming results apparently. Um, Nielsen have. Uh, done the numbers. They're the guys who obviously do the TV ratings in the States. Also music streaming. And uh, they've said that, yeah, um, like Shape of You by Ed Sheeran is the most popular track. Kendrick Lamar's Damn is the most popular album. But that basically R&B and hip hop have passed out rock in terms of music consumption. Rock's still way ahead in terms of physical sales. But that yeah. kind of tells its own story that it's kind of clinging on to the vestiges of sort of former... Tre- trends yeah, and to probably, make itself relevant. It probably says a lot about the audience that's listening to rock, oh, yeah. more middle-aged Old people. And stuff. I'm surprised, now maybe it's the case that they're just making these readings now, but I'm surprised that rock was still even somewhat close. And also, it seems like R&B and hip-hop are a combined genre as well. <laughs> yeah. It seems a bit... I don't know. It might they're be quite a stretch. different. Yeah, yeah. They're quite different. Um, but no, I mean, you could, even before seeing this, you cl- could clearly say that hip-hop is... I suppose it's so influential in terms of the pop sphere of things, whereas rock isn't really getting a look in. I mean, when was the last time there was a massive kind of rock song? 
at number one. Aerosmith and Run DMC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, God, I don't know, yeah. man. Sets it's probably really, fire. yeah, it's probably really obviously something that we're not thinking of, but it obviously wasn't Sets creatively inspiring. Might be a good shout. Like, yeah, even yeah. ten years, even ago. the kind of big rock bands are most of their big hits are coming from crossover stuff. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, big time. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, we don't have any good quote from somebody like Lucian Grange to fit in here. I'm sure he's got an opinion on it though. Let's <laughs> dial him up. Yeah. I just sorry, I'm just, my eye is still drawn to the Lucian Grange quote. Okay, simply because it's so <laughs> it's so official and it's so business like. Do you think that in these moments? Daddy Yankee. Sorry, he went with that as a stage name. <laughs> no, no regrets. No to Daddy way. Yankee. Yeah. <laughs> our, our, our sincere congratulations to Daddy Yankee. You know, it's about yeah. yeah. I say he laughs every time he sees that written down. <laughs> <laughs> I think it works though. Can we get a Sir Daddy Yankee? In? Like, <laughs> it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Services to music. President Daddy Yankee. How, do you, how does Daddy Craig feel about Daddy Yankee though? Never. Oh, <laughs> Your horrible nickname. Flee the studio right now. <laughs> Jesus. Well, Colin's mentioned him already. Ed Sheeran. He's popping up everywhere. I saw one person on Twitter note that at this point they expect to get into bed and find Ed Sheeran there waiting for him because he's just everywhere at the yeah. moment. As evidenced by the fact that Craig's viewing of the new episode of Game of Thrones was ruined. Yeah, he popped up. I think everyone on the internet was just... He's actually finally fully abandoned Twitter because he was getting such abuse. Yeah. Because he's been bullied so hard. Yeah, it's which over. is dreadful. But it, it was, I can't blame him for being on the show. He's a fan. It was so badly handled, though. That's he had the thing. such a... Like, he's singing in it, and he doesn't sound like... Well, I was instantly reminded of <laughs> what you said about David Beckham standing at the gate in the new King Arthur, Arthur movie, yeah, yeah. where you just go, take you hang on, yeah, is yeah. that David Beckham? Yeah, because the camera like, goes so close to them as well that you're just like, hey kids, it's Ed Sheeran. Like, it's just like, might as well have a fucking neon he sign. Yeah, he literally gets a close-up moment and after a song and he turns around and goes, it's a new one. And yeah. there's a big uh, one. I'm just like, what? <laughs> this isn't the Westeros I know and love. Yeah, but also, can I just say this about Game of Thrones? It's a fucking soap I know, opera. It's, it's a soap opera. I know. And like, everyone's like, that was the final nail. In the everyone's coffee. like, I can't believe they've ruined my show. It's like, first of all, Gary Lightbody had a cameo in that before, as did like, was Gary Lightbody? Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, but they yeah, were yeah. singing as well. Much much more subtly done, I thought. They had, because uh, clearly, because I couldn't even remember yeah, being yeah, like, members yeah. of Coldplay. Yeah. I guess the fans or the makers of the show just have a fairly average taste in music. Sigur Rós, I suppose. Sigur Rós were good, yeah. But look, I didn't have a problem with it because the theme was okay. But like... I was about to say, yeah, if you'd actually just like ignore the fact that... That's Ed Sheeran. Yeah. But you can't really. Oh no, yeah, yeah. They made it so obvious. He's so ubiquitous. And as a matter of fact, he'll be keeping that up by joining The Simpsons in what sounds like a particularly dreadful episode. Now, hang on. They're doing a takeoff of La La Land, which I still haven't seen. Has anyone seen La La Land? Yeah, I have. Is it good? Yeah, it's pretty good. I enjoyed it. It's a very likable film, is the best See, way to I I can't bring it. myself to do it. It looks way too proud of itself and way too sweet. No, it it's it's it genuinely is good. I had the same sort of fears going in. But um yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I don't know. I just kinda feel like it looks a bit It takes a lot for me to buy into a musical anyway, and yeah, it, it's totally that uh, it to looks kind of smoke. Now that's probably just a trailer, like but Yeah, and as smoke. well, it's not full sung dialogue shit either, like, you know. Yeah. Um yeah. Oh, no. I mean, basically, I, I can put it this way, right? You can tell, like, that it's a pretty decent movie when half of the criticism is stuff like, oh, well, Ryan Gosling's looking at his feet while he's dancing. And it's like, all right, if that's the biggest hole we're going to poke here. Yeah. Is it good, Eve? I mean, like, I'm a musicals fan. Like, I'm a musical nerd, okay. right? Wow. Back back note. Um, <laughs> I actually went into it and I was pretty disappointed. 
Oh. The plot line was fairly, fairly crappy, to be honest. I'm not too sure. I wasn't really wowed by it. And also, the, the cinema I was in was absolutely freezing. Oh, that's not good. Was, yeah, uh, no. So I kept being distracted by the fact that it was that cold in the cinema. So if I keep being distracted by the fact that it's cold, obviously, I wasn't too tied yeah. into the story. Was it the Savoy, by any chance? <laughs> no, it was the Drada. <laughs> the Savoy's always freezing. Dave's been talking I, I, went to see, I, went, I went to see The Revenant in that's, the Savoy. Oh, my God. Well, that's immersive. And that, that yeah. added to it. I yeah. actually was like, I was like, Jesus Christ. Did like, you get mauled by a bear, huh? No, I didn't. No, um, I don't know. Like, how how is his dancing? Are you? How's your dancing? Are you uh, fairly mediocre, to be honest. Okay, I've heard the whole point is that like they can't really dance well or sing well, but it's kind Sounds of sounds well cast to me. Yeah. Anyway, Ed Sheeran will be in this takeoff, and now the, the character description is quite sensational. He'll be playing Brendan, who is based on Sebastian in La La Land, slightly older than Lisa, who he's going to be her love interest. He's depicted wearing a fedora hat with red hair. And the producer, Al Jean, has said that he keeps alternating between, well, you're not that great, but he could be fantastic. And Lisa keeps falling for him because of his talent. So, essentially, he's playing a men's rights activist who negs women in order to hook up with them. <laughs> That's going to do wonders for the toxic masculinity thing, isn't it? Yeah. Just, just, just throw a fur coat on him and it sounds like they're describing mystery. Um, Hold on, there's another there's another thing I want to point out in this story. Ed Sheeran has a tattoo of Blinky, the tree-eyed fish, who makes occasional appearances on the show. Yeah, he re- there's no end to his dreadful Listen, tattoos. I'm sorry, Ed Sheeran's well, eventually there will be. Yes, are horrific. Yeah. But that's part of the charm, mate. Is it? I think people like that about him. Yeah, uh, that he's just like. Does he know. give them to himself and stuff? Like he's just. And I think he's had like some fan designs and stuff. He got one from Saoirse Ronan. She spelt it wrong. Yeah, Galway yeah. Grill, wasn't it? Galway <laughs> Grill, that was it. Yeah. Jesus, he's got Christ. particularly bad tattoos. Yeah. Like very, very bad. Shocking. And I should know, but nonetheless, as someone who has good tattoos. Thanks, man. Thanks Appreciate so that. Really want to get a new one, actually, but uh, it just costs so much money. <laughs> if you're getting tattoos, kids. If you're listening, spend big. <laughs> What I mean is, don't... (laughs) (laughs) Parents around the country just crying as Dave encourages their children to not only get tattoos, but large and expensive ones. If you don't spend the requisite amount of money and and, and you phone it in, you'll regret it. And don't get any pictures of those tattoos either because, you know... Should be obvious. What else is going on, Colm? Uh, Kid Rock has confirmed that he is going to run for the Senate. It's the sort of thing that we would have <laughs> laughed at when we started this show, but given the events of the past year, I'm slightly concerned. Yeah, he also <laughs> seems like the he seems like the type of person that will commemorate his kind of decision to run for Senate by getting a tattoo of something. Oh, he just yeah. sees that bloke. Um, yeah, like uh, I don't know, he's libertarian he says he is but he's kind of more republican big trump fan well he was knocking around the white house with sarah palin and donald trump there a little while ago yeah. so i think that tells us something about his he's sense. also throwing out the phrase we the people yeah it's like red jack flag swagger and fucking zeb Coulter back in the day that theme tune by the way that jack swagger theme tune was yeah. fucking unreal <laughs> let's have a listen <laughs> Yeah, that's a banger. But yeah, uh, he later shared a 12-minute single called Greatest Show on Earth that I haven't listened to. (laughs) Um, So he's going to be running in Michigan. Uh, There's a quote here from him saying, I concede she, his opponent, his likely opponent, Debbie Stabe now, um, is better at playing politics than I am, so I'll keep doing what I do best, which is being a voice for taxpaying, hardworking Americans. Block capitals. Yeah, and letting politicians like her know that we, the people, are sick and tired of their bullshit. 
Um, and he seems to be running on a platform that everything should be dumbed down when it comes to government. <laughs> and it will probably Starting sell with their very senators, big. It yeah. Seems, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a worry. I read an article on it where the person was saying we should genuinely be concerned because um, his musicianship isn't great. I was like, what? Actually, <laughs> he built that kind of kid rock persona and got to where he is because he's really good at networking in industries like that. He's really good at kind of winning people over. He's a good kind of public speaker in like to a certain crowd. He, talked, he could actually um, be very good yeah, at this. He talked like, yeah, he talks Scott Stapp from Creed into a sex tape. So... There's no end to his That's all you, need, isn't That's it? All you the want. The credentials are... So yeah, his, uh, his aforementioned, uh, aforementioned 12 minute song did not make our songs of the week this week, oh but we God. have five to choose from, and I would like a number, please, Colin. Three. Okie doke, it's Chance the Rapper with Young Thug. This is called Big B's. Bitch, I know who I am. I got money on my card. Put some money on their books. That's a yard. I declare war on the beast for my God. Sheesh. Gross three mail up the new hat. If I could go back and make a two cap. Love me in my city like Q-Sack. Get a little beat and I'll loop that. Get a little money, I'll hoop that. Split it with my niggas in the group chat. Left for a minute, then I flew back. Had to ask Bruce where the truth at. Had to ask Ron where the truth at. Now I can't ride with the roof back. Tell them I don't play around with other people's kids. Got an office in a steakhouse, got a bed for the ribs. Got a meeting at the ribs, give a crib to my rib. Cause she leaving where I live, but I'll see her in the man. Got a Michael Prayer card for the good luck. Hey, bro, I push up when I pull up. Hey, got a little money from the tour. Yeah, spend it all on baby pull ups. Hey, SoundCloud exclusive. Apparently, Chance the Rapper is here to save SoundCloud. And I guess, as a testament to the service itself, he is now releasing music on it. Yeah, I mean, it is ironic, though, if he's kind of trying to save SoundCloud from oblivion that he spends the first track that he's released there uh, just talking about the importance of money <laughs> and cash flow and material possessions um because there's, there's really isn't an awful lot more to it this song i mean like it feels as well as though the delivery is trying to compensate for the simplicity of the beat at times yeah and the beat isn't really doing a lot for me it's those kind of trappy drums that just seem so overdone at this stage that it's like i've heard this on a million different songs and it's kind of like fitting because it's the definition of a soundcloud song yeah. that's just stuck up with kind of like it's clearly not something that was you know pained over like for, for ages yeah. second um, verse is good yeah, like, like it ch- yeah, Chance's kind of stuff. I like his stuff about Chicago. I like that he clearly has an interest in sorting out his hometown. Um, I thought Young Thug kind of stole the show. To be yeah, honest. he's really uh, good. He in work it. his flow works much better over the backing. Um, and yeah, I, I enjoyed his bits on it, but it, it's quite throwaway. I did also enjoy the bit about uh, splitting all his money with the boys in the group chat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a terribly no encore thing to do that's what we aspire to someday when <laughs> one of us hits the lottery uh, yeah it's fine It's I, I agree with Craig it's the throwaway it's disposable it's and I find that that's a weird thing about SoundCloud in general where I'm kind of like yeah like is this ever going to lead anywhere like I remember even like a name at random Father John Misty put out like a track before um, the album came out on SoundCloud and we were like Will this be on the album? I think the general feeling was no, it won't because he put it up on SoundCloud. Like it's great that SoundCloud's there, but it does it. It almost feels like you're getting an inner working into the musician as opposed to a part of their catalog or something. As such, it can make some songs very hard to kind of connect onto and very easy to just kind of walk away from it, especially when it's a bit as threadbare as this one. And again, this is coming from someone who I really wasn't a big fan of Coloring Book. I know a lot of people were, and I just didn't think it was that good. So Chance still has to win me over, and yeah. he's not going to do it with stuff like this. I like Coloring Book, but to be fair, yeah. Yeah, this is so much more, well, just bad, frankly. <laughs> I don't think you can even compare. Are we, what are we sorry, what are a we number. Oh, <laughs> pointed at you. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Lister, I was just pointed at there. I was just very disconcerted. Yeah, it's terrible people ganging up on you, isn't it? number two. I will. They're back. 
Colm's a big fan of this band. Uh, we were a big fan of their last record, actually. This is Garbage. The song's called No Horses. Garbage came back with a record last year called Strange Little Birds. One of the tracks made our top 20 of the year, top 20 songs. Though, yeah, so. Even Though Our Love Is Doomed was an unbelievable song and it kind of acted as a centrepiece in what was yeah, a pretty impressive album, I must say. It was good. Certainly a lot better than I was expecting. This, if I'm perfectly honest, was probably what I had been expecting. And this sounds kind of like the work of an unsigned college band to a certain extent. Oof, this is a heel turn. Well, it's just the, the like... The kind of political references are, like, some of them are so on the nose. And then some of them are so, like, and there'll be no horses. And you're like, that's, that's your punchline? I'm, like, fucking giggling to myself when I heard that. <laughs> I Especially, mean, like, yeah, having read about the background of it, and it's literally about, like, Shirley Manson was, like, on a train or something, or she was going past fields and looking at horses. And she came to the realisation that, like, what if we, like, when we don't need horses anymore, where are all the horses going to go? Yeah, so, I mean, like, really? it's, 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 like, like it's this kind of semi-apocalyptic thing where they're going to start wiping out anything that's not of use to this, like, new world order. And, you know, again, like I say, it's fairly clear throughout the song that that's kind of where it's going with people with shiny guns and shiny batons and shiny cars wearing yeah. black. And you're like, we get it. And then, like I say, yeah, no, if it was called No Monkeys or No Sharks, I think I'd be more worried. I went to see War for the Planet of the Apes last week, and horses still have a part to play uh, in some kind of post-apocalyptic world. Oh, as, as does really awkward product placement, by the way. Right. I've, I've never seen anything like this. Like, okay, how kind of stuff? So there's a bit in War for the Planet of the Apes where they're, they're going from, like, they're walking across this big clearing, like this kind of forestry area, mm. and in the background, not even in the background, it's pretty up close, is a kind of rusted out old Coca-Cola truck. Nice. And it's just there. And, like, the camera holds on them as they slowly walk by it. And I was like... That's inventively bad. <laughs> I liked the film, though. It was yeah. good. And if I may say, uh, Maurice in those movies, the orangutan. Yeah, yeah, he's maybe, a boy. Maybe my favourite character <laughs> from anything ever. What do you make of this track, though? It didn't make me cry like War for the Planet of the Apes did. However, what I will say is, yeah, it, it ain't great, is it? And it's a shame because I, it, in terms of musical DNA, it's very similar to the song Magnetized off Strange Little Birds, right. which I think is a fucking belter of a song. So mm. I like it when they still kind of go for that punch, but it's a bit... It's a bit un- like kind of not uninformed because it is informed, but a bit kind of like it's not really there and it doesn't really come together. I mean, like they said, it's it too long. As a it's five jam. and a half minutes as yeah. well. They said it starts started out as a jam, and you can kind of tell that because it was it's never really been fleshed out as much. Yeah, the production's a, really clean. Production's but you great. expect that from Butch, Butch Vig. Vig like. yeah, yeah. It is a bit clumsy when they kind of trans- transfer to like the different phases of songs, and it's it's that kind of it's very nineties. It's very like. This will be playing in a kind of like steampunk club. Yeah, so maybe Michael Douglas wandering around it in like you know a V-neck sweater, in the nineties or something. My dentist will be walking around that club for sure. <laughs> Big into true. the steampunk. Yeah, uh, not good. Not good. Column number. Give me number one. Okay, she's back. It's podcast favorite, Selena Gomez, along with Gucci Mane. This is called Fetish. You got a fetish for my love. I'll push you out and you come right back. 
And it's not called Fetish because I heard a DJ introduce it as it's Cena Gomez back with Fetish. Uh, and I was yeah. like, oh, come on. Come that would, on. Would have been quite funny, though. Gucci Mane was at Longitude. He's uh, been traveling the world and putting up photographs of himself looking absolutely delighted because I think it's the first time he's ever like left America or something. Oh, oh right, okay. Nice. And he just looks like he's like a college student doing a J1 or, or, or doing like inter- interrailing oh, rather. Obvious with tattoos all over his face. He scrubs up well, I must say. And by all accounts, he was quite fun at Longitude. On this, he's quite throwaway. Oh, oh, another... I, I'm not going to keep harping on about it. He says nothing. He says nothing. He's just I like would challenge you. I would <laughs> challenge you to remember a single line from his from his verse or whatever. He says something about water i think he makes a reference to his girlfriend <laughs> having some water and she's got diamonds that are as clear as water all right okay so <laughs> selena gomez is like currently reinventing herself and kind of really started with good for you which was my favorite song yes, of 2015 i want to say mm-hmm. and that was the version without asap rocky the more kind of subdued version which i still think is an absolutely glorious masterpiece of a song the subsequent record that followed revival is quite good uh, has its moments for sure and has the occasional bit of filler we had Bad Liar recently, which kind of riffed on talking heads, and now we have this. And I'm very impressed by her, continually. I think that she has incredible command. I really like this. I can do without the feature, but it's another step in the right direction. Uh, I think she's really fucking good. I've said before, yeah, that her delivery seems to be getting more and more assured with everything that she puts out there. And there's a lot to like here melodically. I just can't get past the use of the word fetish here. <laughs> because it sounds like she doesn't really know what it means. Because, like, a fetish for... Cullum's here to educate us all. It's Cullum's fetish fetish corner. (laughs) At last. It's 70 episodes. It sounds to me like a bit like... Remember when we said that Zane was just cursing so that he could sound like a grown-up? Yes. And differentiate himself from his boy band past. This sounds like somebody just, like, using the word fetish to make people go, Oh! Dirty, yeah, isn't it? I don't really agree. I, I think like it's it's very clear that the song is about foreplay. If I'm gonna <laughs> read between the lines, <laughs> yeah, but like I don't think you can have a fetish for that. I'm sh- you can have a fetish for anything. All right, come. Like, I'm gonna talk about song there. Right? <laughs> I think you have a fetish for like being tied Stop up and fetish. shit. Not- this was my problem with the song because she's still yeah. I think Bad Liar was great, but there was the kind of worry that there was something a bit calculated about what she was doing, which I suppose there, there is for every pop star, so maybe that's not an issue. But here it is very just much... try not to show your workings, don't you? Yeah. yeah. I'm very much a grown-up. I'm, you know, I'm into sex or whatever. But the, the, the delivery is... To me, it's kind of gross because it's too breathy. It's yeah. very... Like, it's the opposite of that ASMR thing. It feels like she's, like, in my ear, and it's like, oh, God. Like, there's something really unsettling. Have you seen the lyric video? No, I don't. Just close above her lower half of her face for like three and a half minutes. Yeah, and I I kind of feel like Britney Spears did this a decade ago. Yeah, there's but better. Like she's better at doing the kind of breathy. It works with her voice. I don't know if it works with her voice. I I I quite like that sort of delivery, and like good for you had that as well. Like which is kind of that really sort of restrained, sultry sort of thing. And she does it well, but this does yeah sound a little bit forced to me or something. Um, I don't like, agree. But enough there. It's a home run. Enough there, melodic. <laughs> enough there, melodically. That yeah, like I wouldn't write it off completely. Okay, one more number, please. Four. Okay, they're back as well. Everyone, back. everyone's back. Everyone's back. <laughs> Upcoming record, second song from it. This is the War on Drugs. Haven't had enough alone. I gotta find. I begin to 
It's called Strangest Thing. Comes in at almost seven minutes long, and it's a bit Bob Dylan, isn't it? Well, I mean, I don't want to call it derivative, but like, there's everything from kind of Streets of Philadelphia Springsteen to like yeah. some weird Bon Jovi guitar flourishes at some stage. Like, Ooh. it starts turning into Always after a while. I mean, with that said, you know, it's it, it's quite nice. But I really like it. There's just there's not. I see. I don't because there's just not an awful lot to grab me here. I mean, I, I liked it. I think the one thing that works in its favor is that it's almost seven minutes long. So, like, like it or not, you're kind of invested in it by the time it finishes. At the same time, once I'd finished listening to it, like, did I have an urge to go hit repeat or like you know to go back and listen to it the following day? Not so much. Yeah, I mean, for the first couple of minutes of it, I was concerned that it might be just something that passes you by, and maybe you get into the atmosphere of it on the album. But actually, it kind of comes to like a really nice culmination. The guitar kind of figure throughout it. It is quite Springsteen-y. Again, it's what he's really good at. Where it's it sounds like something that has existed before, and you know it, and you're familiar with it, but it's not actually ripping anything off. It does so have that. That's just strong songwriting. The level of familiarity. Yeah. So it kind of around the four minute mark, um, it kind of lifts off a bit, and I was yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm Same, yeah, and like I actually, it reminded me quite a bit though of Phosphorescent and Song for Zula, yeah, which was a similar that's enough sure. song in that there's very little going on, but once you kind of relax into it, the little lifts do take you out of it in the best possible way. I'm not saying I'm going to stick this on a playlist or anything, but it makes me interested in a record that I wasn't previously interested because I think the War on Drugs are a lot more beige than people are willing to admit. Well, there's always the nagging feeling as much as I'm enjoying, and maybe more so even just the sound because it's such a comfortable sound to just kind of dip into. It's always the nagging feeling that it's a bit dire straits or a lot dire yeah, straits. Like it's, it's like an old man using it to a nice warm bath. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah which is me now. <laughs> And finally this week, a man that Craig has interviewed in his fuck buttons, guys. Yes. This is Andrew. My fuck buttons, guys. <laughs> yeah. When Craig was in fuck buttons. Uh, for that, what a weekend that was. A brief stint. <laughs> yeah. This is Andrew Hung. I must say, guys, if Andrew Hung was going to go solo, I am absolutely furious that he didn't. I take, know what you're going. He didn't take off Arrested Development and call himself Andrew Hung and the Hung, Hung Jury. jury. <laughs> mock anyway, trial, with Jay Reinhold. Mock trial. Can we have an insert to that? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Still funny, even, <laughs> Still if the, even if the show isn't. Okay, so uh, last season was muck. It was an absolute mess, but it was funny moments. Oh, I've, I've watched it back yeah. quite a few times since, and it gets better. With Who the, the fuck said, series. hey, Arrest of Element should be a drama now? I know, uh, listen, I mean, like, yeah, the the, the, the whole thing, uh, scheduling conflicts, blah. No it's jokes. Still funny, trust me. Go this ba- song. Go back, give it a go. <laughs> this song is called Say What You Want. Now, yeah. Andrew Hung has said himself in kind of previewing this, he said, singing is new to me. Yeah. <laughs> and... It's weird hearing my own voice, but it does what it does. And yeah, he's not going to win any like singing contests. Certainly not. No, no, he's <laughs> really not. Despite the fact he keeps entering them. <laughs> Andrew, no, give it up. No, he sounds like somebody who's been, ver- up, he's been very happy uh, waiting away from the mic for the rest of his career. Um, I must say, like, I'm still not even sure whether I like the song or not. Yeah. At, f- at first listen, I kind of thought, this isn't doing it much for me. And then I realized an hour later that I'd listened to it like seven or eight times since. 
which probably says something in itself. Yeah, but it's I was still a little bit like oh, I don't know. It's kind of you know creeps up on you. It's a bit, a bit hypnotic. I kind of like it. I mean, his voice. It is what it is. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's not overstated, so it doesn't really take you out of it. It's enjoyable. Um, I mean, his colleague in Fuck Buttons has been doing kind of his own thing, Blank Mass. Uh, that, that's very different. It's more droney. It's heavier. Getting kind of great acclaim, the likes of The Quietest and Serious, yeah. you know, much more serious than this show. Um, <laughs> but this is very different. This is more airy. It's kind of, uh, there's a lot more light. Um, it's very London, isn't it? It is quite London. I, I like it. It's... It's lightweight, maybe, but it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable, yeah. While it's being played, yeah. And I mean, yeah, his. I guess it's hard not to meet it in the kind of respect of that, because like him singing at all kind of begs the question of why did you do it yourself and not get a vocalist in? And I kind of like that. Like, it seems to be particularly DIY. And nice guy. I remember when you interviewed him, Craig. Yeah, yeah. Remember that? Like, you you interviewed him at Forbidden Fruit. And like, fuck buttons play to thousands of people on the regular. Humongous shows. So they come into the hot press tent. And they're in front of about, like, what, 30, 40 people? Yeah. And afterwards, when we were talking to them outside, they were like, your kind man... Of, yeah, we were petrified. It was like, do you do this a lot? What? Yeah. I was freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, do you do this all the time? Like, how? And we no, were like, what? In fairness, he probably wasn't <laughs> properly reefed, and he was shoved through, like, yeah. 10 flaps. And it was just like... And it might, it must be that thing, which is true, where it's like, if it's a smaller group of people, and you can individually see them, and they're closer, it's more real. So you get yeah. more yeah. nervous. So like, at the same time, console, like, you're, yeah, you're right. Yeah. There was never no, anything quite like that moment where, like, you literally, like, with five seconds to go you start heading towards the stage and you're like so uh you know like just do a quick interview like a song or two and they maybe a few questions from the crowd and they go hmm, what crowd <laughs> <laughs> yeah. sorry you're too late ladies and gentlemen welcome I, back. I remember that happening one, once with the family stone right the family stone thought they were being brought to catering <laughs> and, and they were and all, next thing you know they went through the tent and they're in front of a massive crowd of people being like hey <laughs> and the, like the the matriarch of the family stone was like what the fuck is this and like tried to get out it was yeah. amazing scenes amazing. scenes for you know we're not saying that the hot press end is badly organised or anything because it, it definitely isn't it's a magical wonderland no. of, of, where anything can happen it's been the home to some great moments in fairness it has, it has. and some terrible ones mm. too diabolical let's move on <laughs> yeah this weekend uh, should be um, time for another pretty special moment in the career of U2 they bring the Joshua Tree Tour to Croke Park on Saturday with this in mind we felt that it was time to uh, bring the listening guide a little closer to home yeah we also, though, decided it was time to maybe freshen it up a bit, because let's face it, sitting here and saying you should listen to the Joshua Tree seemed a little bit redundant. Yeah, it did seem like it might be just, yeah, Joshua Tree, um, Octoring Baby's quite good. Um, so we came up with a plan. We decided to go at our top five favourite songs each and kind of put together what essentially is our like ideal, perfect U2 playlist thing. I mean, it was my idea. As someone that likes to mess around with actual albums and thinks he can fix everything, I was like, I can make this flow and brilliant. But I think we're all pretty happy with the results. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. Dave is extremely happy that there was some <laughs> crossover in our nominations that means that it's not a 15-track album, but rather 12. Yeah. And yeah. I have to be talked into those extra two listeners. I'll have you know. The No Encore Brevity Rule of 10 tracks mm. was tested this time out. Well, will we kick it off with our opener, which is kind of maybe an obvious one, but had to be this. Uh, 
Okay, so that's obviously where the streets have no name. Opener of the Joshua Tree. They'll be playing it on Saturday. I mean, it's kind of like, it's undeniably has to be there. It's right? phenomenal. It is. Yeah. It's amazing. It's iconic. It is. I mean, and that part we just played before, you have kind of, you know, the guitar just kind of crescendoing over the synths. It sounds, it still sounds massive. Oh, yeah. And as much as you can kind of slag you two off, it's like listening to that song in particular, you can't imagine another band ever creating that. No. You can imagine I mean? them trying and falling on their face, for yeah. sure. It's the template for so many bands to try and have a go. And that itself says an awful lot about it. And it really, really holds up. Like, it genuinely does, 30 years on. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah. I mean, you know, they've talked about the making of this song and, like, the absolute nightmare that The Edge had trying to record this and just, like, the way the guitar is so complex and, the, the like, the tempo of it and kind of just trying to sync it up. Um, the Joshua Tree as an album, how do we feel about it, guys? I mean, it's so iconic. Is it a bit over earnest? Is it a bit? Well, no. I'll put it this way: it's definitely top loaded. Yeah. I oh mean, my god! Extremely top. It opens with this track, and is it from there? It goes still haven't found, and then where the street or with or without you? Yeah, or, yeah. it does. Um, and you're just like, holy shit, this is incredible! And then obviously you get to the back end of the album, and I suppose it's side B as it might have been back in the day, and you would have been like, oh yeah, kind of ran out of steam. Do you know the re- do you know the reason for that? Yep. Okay, so I think probably everyone does at this stage, but it was literally the band went to the late great Kirsty McCall and were like, "Can you kind of sort out the track listing? Uh, we want Where the Streets of No Name to be like the opener. They had the closer, but just everything in between ordered." And she, maybe she decided in like, order of her favorite tracks. Basically, yeah, yes. I don't. Did she just like not read them right? And it was just like, has anyone checked like, to see if they're in reverse alphabetical order? <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, it's literally just literally f- trails off because uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I think she, was she married to Steve Lillywhite like at that the time? Sentence. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think so, like I think Steve Lillywhite like at one point like Edge wanted to come in and do backing vocals on one of the tracks, and like Steve Lillywhite was like, "No, it's done. It's going to press. Please leave me alone." Yeah. So but yeah, they they, they really haven't done badly for them. No, so, it's you so know. amazing. But like, uh, it's it's interesting that they they had such problems actually just letting it go. But I think it works. I agree. But like a lot of YouTube albums are like this. Like you know, all that you, all that we can't leave behind, all you can't leave behind. Oh, that yeah. is another one. That is one of the most. Half that is, is one of the most front-loaded albums you'll ever hear. No, I will say the Joshua Tree. The second half is actually enjoyable. It's a bit kind of weirder. But no, the yeah, all that you can't leave behind just get, gets into clunkers. So actually, this playlist is better than the Joshua Tree because it's better kind of sequence. I believe. Let's move on to track two. Was out of control from 1980s boy Belter. Yeah, yeah. This is amazing. One of, tune. One yeah. of my yeah. shouts. One of your shouts. Yes. Yeah. Tell us I, about mean, like, that. I, I felt it was important for us to kind of have something that really captured you two as lads playing music after school. Like this really mm. feels like you know, like just kind of belting it out after a bad day, and it's it's just a really great encapsulation of Irish rock and like like, like what an what an Irish pop rock song can do. It's incredibly searching, but also quite simple. Um, it's really kind of back to basics and it's, it's used really really well in, in Intermission the film Intermission it kind of oh, yeah, opens yeah. that film and like really kind of sets the tone for that movie I, I think that this is a fucking five star pop rock song I think it's brilliant yeah obviously taken uh, you know like from, from first album um, and also the earliest song the only one from that far back on our list yeah. and it's re- always really interesting and something that we've been doing on the revisit over the past little while is that you get to listen to these old albums and sort of see if you can trace little signs of what's to come or little hints 
and like there are little things there, aren't they? Like you can see stadium rock ambition yeah. lurking somewhere in the de- depth here. You can kind of hear Bono finding his voice and just soaring at points, but then being pulled back to like it's very in debt, you know, by the same token to like post punk of the late 70s and yeah. obviously and. I think in the early days they essentially wanted to sound like Joy Division, which seems really strange now. Yeah. Um. So it's it's tied very much to that stuff. It's still enthralled to the influences. They haven't quite found their voice, but yeah, the energy in it and like the simplicity of it, and it's earnest, but in a really kind of nice, innocent way. Bono doesn't think he's God yet. Like it's just yeah. kind of a really nice. It has thing. an amazing tearaway charm, and like I I think it's impossible not to get swept up in it. And I think you could bring it to anyone who even despises you two and be like. But what about out of control, man? And they'd be like, "Yeah, go on." Yeah. So, boy, was a big album. Um, their second album, October, doesn't feature at all on our list because it was a bit crap. But <laughs> yeah. they came back in style with War. Here's the track off it. <laughs> Sunday, bloody Sunday. <laughs> uh, so much frustration about what to do on a Sunday. And yeah. Kids are running around and all, all the Sunday favours. Colin, one of your favourites. Yeah, I love this song, to be fair. Um, I, th- I think there is like a, an energy, like that guitar riff is fantastic and obviously just drives the song throughout. There's passion in it and obviously it's lyrically, you know, for all like that people see you 2 as being, you know, sort of a socially aware and political band occasionally, they actually quite rarely deal with it absolutely straight on. Um, where the streets have no name is obviously inspired by like Belfast and and the troubles there, yeah. but but it is pretty you know obscure in the sense of like you know if you played someone the song they wouldn't be like oh I get it, whereas Sunday Bloody Sunday yeah that that is a little bit more on the nose so to speak, um but it's fantastic and like I say you mentioned that October hasn't made it uh or no songs from October have made yeah. it on this list uh that's probably partially because Bono lost all the lyrics to that album just yeah. before they were going to record it he lost a briefcase somewhere and uh, they basically had no songs he was, ba- he was basically <laughs> he was he was making shit up in front of the microphone pretty much writing in studio um thank God he didn't have to do that for this because it wouldn't have come quite so easily I think and uh, yeah would have ruined what is a fantastic riff yeah and as as we always say, I mean, really hard to do a kind of political song. They kind of nail it, and it transcends that. It doesn't just feel like a political thing. And, like, I don't know, it's 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 pretty fucking heavy. You forget that you two can, like, be that heavy. Like, yeah. I don't really want to use the word militaristic, but there is that kind of sense to the drums. The drums stuff. are, There's a real again, urgency. Incredibly and, um, like And the production on War was great as well. It's just really in-your-face. Yeah. Uh, sounds amazing. Let's move on to another quite in-your-face song. You get that's disco tech from 1997's pop album beautiful 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 song Uh, yeah like i've got to remember that this is actually probably the first time that i was introduced to you two kind of in real life sort of as they were releasing music at the time sure this was the first you know and here's a new single from you two that i ever heard and i thought what the actual fuck's going on yeah and not it doesn't really set you up for their entire catalog does it no <laughs> i i feel like this song is actually 
responsible for them going overly sincere and beautiful day and all that came after it because I think yeah, I think so. This is a great song, but I think it was the point where people were like, "Listen, you two, we're kind of sick of you being overly like ironic." I mean, it was really cool around Octung Baby. Uh, it was <laughs> still cool as Europa, but now you're still kind of kidding around, really. Yeah, because I mean, like yeah. all, all you can't leave behind felt like when Metallica apologized for Saint Anger by doing Death Magnetic, yes. when it was like, "Shit, we better not lose the fans. Yeah. Let's bring it back to you know good old fashioned rock and roll." And granted, like, there is a ceiling. There is a ceiling with a track like Discotech and the kind of movements that they were making around the time. And I've I always say that I wish you two would go back to this. But then again, maybe that's when you get a song like "Get on Your Boots," which is just horrendous. Yeah. But Discotech is fucking beautiful. I think it's incredible. It's just so much fun. Like it's so knowingly over the top. It's yeah. ridiculous, but it's just infectious and fun and campy and produced beautifully as well. It's a yeah, I love it. It's great. Okay, let's move on to Until the End of the World. I took the money, I start to drink. You miss too much these days if you start to think. Leave me on with those innocent eyes. You know I love the element of surprise. In the garden I was playing the tide. I kissed your lips. first Octung Baby track yeah um, this is a personal favourite of mine uh, it's definitely top five and it's uh, lyrically uh, at times Bono really kind of riles me and he can be a bit cringy particularly I think he struggles sometimes when he tries to crowbar in religious imagery this nails it I think to a cross <laughs> um, but wow, it's this wow. really interesting it's like the Last Supper stuff but it's from that ironic thing he was doing around Octum Baby and it just kind of comes across like really well Guitar work is great. It's atmospheric. It's kind of, it feels like the heart of Octung Baby. Yeah. Part of like a really good stretch of just them doing different stuff. And it still sounds like, it sounds kind of ageless as well, which some of the stuff on Octung Baby is a bit, you know. Early yeah, on, they yeah. definitely started, you know, becoming like that real studio band, I mm. suppose, on Octung Baby, where, you know, for a lot of the rest of their catalogue had perhaps been sort of like that good old gritty rock and roll, so to speak. Yeah. And yeah, that does sort of tie it to a time, so to speak. This, however, yes, yeah, still sounds pretty fresh. I think it also works really, really well in Bono as narrator, in as much as, you know, he's building the song around him as he goes. Like you can, you can, because he's so theatrical anyway. Mm. But this justifies him kind of like reaching down and like picking things up and picking up the arrangement and like just dragging it with him. It's great. Like it, it sounds like he's almost like leading the start of a, of a great play. It's yeah. it's it's you two at their most kind of you know soporific or whatever. I'm probably using the word wrong, but like it's just it's it's really fucking powerful and like it, it's it manages to kind of keep paying off as it goes along as well. It doesn't really run out of road, and that's very impressive. Yeah, let's continue with Octung Baby. <laughs> Mysterious Ways, um, yeah, I think this was like probably the first, was this the first thing? For, no, we, we had The Fly, I think, Yeah, which was like, yeah. okay, we've got a new sound, and I'm like, I've got sunglasses on now, and I'm never taking them off. <laughs> but The Fly was kind of like an introduction to a new sound, but it doesn't really hold up as a song. This oh, was it does. Like, the Fly holds up. 
as a almost song, made, as almost a song, made my top five. Yeah. It's great. It is great, but I think it's this kind of a riff and it's a bit of. No, my serious ways is better for sure. But the fly, yeah. don't just. Yeah, and I still man. like it. But this is a proper song. Yeah. Like this is them marrying their kind of old fashioned anthemic thing to a new kind of aesthetic. And yeah. Yeah, that's exactly really well. it. It's it's constructed really well. And again, it's that thing of like he's he's playing with religious imagery, but in a kind of he's like you know degrading it somewhat, or he's making it a love song, or he's just kind of not being like you know completely disrespectful like I was a few moments ago talking about <laughs> our Lord and Saviour um, but he just he gets that he does it really well in ways that he struggles with later on so yeah just a great song alright flip over our imaginary album Craig and start taking us through side B The Unforgettable Fires Pride One man come here to justify One man to That's Pride in the Name of Love. And that's probably... Was that a kind of breakthrough for them? Like, definitely The Unforgettable Fire was them going to another level, right? Yeah. 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 I feel like the first time I saw this, it was them on top of that record store in the States or something. All right, okay, yeah. Like, yeah. which I guess was part of the... the Capitol was, that was, was, was that this? I feel it, like that might have been Joshua Tree. Okay. I don't know. For some reason, that's how I tie it in. But this had to have been particularly beneficial in the in the grounding of them as, a, as an American import. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had Sunday Bloody Sunday be a kind of big song already, but that is much more of a rocky thing. This is like, th- this like sets the template for that U2 thing, I think, of just kind of, you know, universal themes and, you know, yeah. a bit vague. Well, it has that chimey guitar coming in. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like it has kind of, you know, it, it its roots, obviously, in sort of like, you know, the American struggle and so forth, but it's great song I like i love the way even just that the, the way those drums build through the intro and exactly. you're just like okay let's go you also know? it's also i believe it's also when you see homer getting the shit kicked out of him on the simpsons backstage of the et go on the big <laughs> screen i think this is what's playing as like he gets like kneed in the face mm. he's like don't worry guys he'll get the help he needs it's fucking brilliant i and i also saw uh bono bring out nelson mandela at the opening ceremony of the special olympics to this song well, There's if we're talking about sideline. big cultural moments that are tied to U2 songs, this next one always reminds me of Ross and Rachel breaking up on Friends. With or without you, I think chiefly remembered for that. Please um, don't bring up that. Like, <laughs> still, not over it, man. Still crying for more for the Planet of the Apes. Now this, well, was sad ending. Wasn't one of my picks, but it's like I, I think I didn't pick it because it seems like such an obvious one. And then you listen to it, you go, it's obvious for a reason. This is the, yeah. This is exactly my, my my reason for picking it is because I remember listening to some countdown show on Two FM or whatever years and years and years ago. And it was like the 100 best songs in the world ever. And, you know, I made commitment to uh, hear this because it was on the radio and yeah. like you're over the, over the course of a bunch of days or whatever. And then you 2 with or without you was number one. And I remember being like, well, for fuck's sake, really? Like, really? And then I kind of like made myself listen to the song a lot more than I had. And I was kind of like, yeah, you know what? I can see the argument. It is a classic. It's it, it, incredibly it is. simple and straightforward, but that's part of the charm. 
and it's kind of the benchmark for that kind of style of a song. It's genuinely brilliant. Yeah, and what's more, like, I mean... If I have a criticism of U2's songwriting when they get a little bit romantic and a little bit earnest, mm. it's that they just push it a little too far. That's a song like One, for instance. Yeah. I, I think this they push everything a bit too far. Well, so, they, yeah. do, they do, but this isn't completely caricature. This isn't sort of so preachy that it loses the Yeah, I think the One is the perfect counterpoint, and I think like we probably all felt the same way putting together our lists, because I was like, at no point was I was I like well one's I was like one's not getting in there. Yeah. I, was like, I do I do like one, but it's like if you think OREM like everybody hurts. It's that one you're. Just, I've heard it so much yeah. I can't anymore. Yeah, but I can still. I've heard this probably as uh, you know the equal amount, but I can still stick it on and enjoy it. Yeah, don't think many people will see the next track coming. was Lemon from Zuropa, which is just an f- absolutely fantastic song. This was when, like, like you think of how many years before, like, the likes of Kid A and stuff this was. It's yeah. kind of a quite brave song. And when they were properly doing the electronic thing. Um, and, yeah, they were very much in their kind of, like, we're being ironic now mode. But this is actually, lyrically, I think it's great. It's very dark. It's um, inspired by Bono being sent when he was kind of in his 20s old kind of home footage of his mother had passed away when he was very very young at like a wedding which was wearing this kind of you know lemon colored dress and it's a really kind of interesting meditation on like how film can kind of keep memories alive and how people try to kind of cling on to the past and the creative process is a lot of that it's just really really good and it's just him doing this amazing kind of falsetto thing it's really dreamlike and hypnotizing. It's like set nearly seven minutes long. It's great. It's wildly inventive. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of Queen's Get Down, Make Love in that it's just like slightly atonal, slightly atypical for the band, but yeah. also has that kind of... And also the kind of vocal gymnastics as well. Completely, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's a challenge in a, in a way, but I think it's definitely rewarding. And I'm glad it's here because it does kind of stick out like a sore thumb in some respects, but it's a, a good example of their kind of technical aspirations, which they carried off with aplomb in this one. Yeah, and also it gave us the kind of big giant lemon that they brought out on stage. You know? <laughs> when it all went a bit yeah. spinal tap. Let's talk about Batman. Let's talk about Batman. Batman, Batman forever. forever. As it were. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm going to go see Batman Forever in the Lighthouse just to hear this song. Do I feel like Batman Forever wasn't that dreadful? No, it's not. It's because Batman and Robin was so bad yeah, then. Batman, kind of lumped Batman the two Forever in. is yeah. actually perfectly good. It's a decent three-star movie. Yeah. And which, if you will recall, Tommy Lee Jones told Jim Carrey out one night that he can't sanction his buffoonery. Sanction his buffoonery, yeah. Great sentence and turn of phrase. Hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me. This is my number one favorite U2 song, and it has been now for 22 years. I adore this track. I think it is the best example of U2's brashness and over-the-top nature. They're like, Them at their most kind of tongue-in-cheek, but also writing a great song around it. It's so alive. It's just plain fun. I think it's every 
part of the band sings perfectly in tandem and it's written for a fucking superhero movie like how did that happen you how know? much better does it get and, like, Bono actually sounds really cool on this, like as a person. <laughs> like this, and know? that video, remember that video, like, the yeah, animation? Really well that was yeah. awesome. Yeah, uh, the guitars are great on it. Yeah. Just really fantastic. Um, amazing work. Let's. Oh, sorry. Before, wanna, sorry. Yeah. Before we do, just want uh, a weird another Batman time. Batman and Robin might have been horrendous, and it was. Mm-hmm. But the Smashing Pumpkins have an incredible song. Actually, maybe even two. They have like the end of the beginning is the end, or like like whatever that is, vice versa. So oh, like Batman and Robin. Yeah. Well, and I. I I feel like R.E.M. released a song for that. Batman used to have great songs. Keep I was going to say Prince. Kiss from a Rose is on Oh, that's Batman, Batman Forever. forever. Fucking yep. hell. Yep. Okay, our penultimate choice is a more recent one. Here it is. Baby, help me dog on the street Knows that we're in love with two feet I'll be ready to be swept off Every Breaking Wave, and that's the Acoustic Sessions version, the one they did on Jules, and everyone loved it, the one they kind of do live mainly now. Yeah. And it seems like the band themselves have kind of regretted the pop treatment on the actual album proper, which is still actually really good because it's such a strong song. Yes, uh, we had to get Songs of Innocence in somehow. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you might have gotten it off your iTunes, but we're bringing it back <laughs> in. Uh, yeah, kind of reminiscent of when The National brought out Terrible Love, and it sounded like it was only half cooked, and then they, then they brought out Terrible Love alternate version, and it was like, yeah, that's what we wanted. This is a great song, and I do like the studio version. You look up the live version, and you seem to have even diehard YouTube fans in the YouTube comments, apart from saying, come to Brazil, they are definitely saying, <laughs> you know, they, they are definitely saying, um, thank you so much for like actually doing this song the way that it should have been done. I still think the studio version is quite good, but the, the, the live take is spellbindingly beautiful. And it's also an example of you two still having something to say on a personal level, yeah. which I think is important. Well, to be honest, yeah. And like that was the one thing with Songs of Innocence and perhaps Songs of Experience. Who knows what's going to happen with that album? Was that, you know, they were they were actually tapping back into, I'm not going to say repressed memories, but when you saw like, you know, Bono talking about like, you know, writing about his mother like openly and directly for yeah. the first time, you were like, well, this could actually be an interesting new chapter. Yeah, I mean, Songs of Innocence, I'm not going to turn around now and be like, maybe it's not as bad. Because it's not a bad album. It's, it's, it's not a bad album. Um, it's just that it was destroyed kind of culturally by the way it was released. It has its moments. I think this is top tier of them. I'd argue it's their best album of this century. I haven't gone back to it a couple of times. Like, it's, it's better this century. than. For a second there, I was like, what? <laughs> well, they, there's only three others. But yeah, I think that's yeah. a strong. It's kind of, yeah, there's signs of life still. Um, and to close us out, to play us out, <laughs> except we're not really, I mean, we're going to continue with the podcast. It's bad. Yeah, I mean, just kind of a great closer. Um, and it's it's like very classic U2, but it's like a fan favorite and never really hit those heights where it's overplayed, played a lot of live shows. And it was that Live Aid song that kind of, you know, at the time they had to keep playing it because yeah. Bono went off and was just like dancing in the crowd with someone. 
and they were like, oh, that's our career finished. And no, it was just the start. Oh, yeah, it turned out to career. be yeah, a, um, a genuine kind of star-making moment for them. But it, it does that thing that they do really well where it just builds and builds and it really kind of grips you. Um, and lyrically, um, about a guy who knew kind of on heroin a lot. Like it's, it's a, It sounds like a big universal song, but it's about Dublin and the heroin epidemic of the time. So there's a real weight to it. And yeah, Bad's a classic, so I had to wrap it up with that. So yeah. that's it. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, some breaking news on the podcast. Uh, just coming to us now. Very, very sad news. Uh, Lincoln Park frontman Chester Bennington has reportedly committed suicide at the age of 41, according to TMZ. Uh, we literally just got this news on the show. Um, I don't know what to say, apart from I'm I, this is fucking awful. And yeah, he's survived by a wife and six kids. He's struggled with drug and alcohol addictions at various times during his life. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, Linkin Park are a band that I have to confess were quite important to me when I was younger. They were very, very formative for me, along with some of the new metal bands that I often mention that I very uh, am okay with being slagged off for listening to because they mean an awful lot to me, like Korn, Limp Bizkit, Slipknot to this day, I'm a huge Slipknot fan. Uh, Linkin Park, yeah, they're a band that I, I've followed pretty much for their entire career here and there. Kind of my fandom for them waned the more albums they released, and... But Hybrid Theory, when it came out in 2000, was absolutely massive for me. Like, it really, really was. And one thing I would say with Chester Bennington is, like, I mean, incredible frontman, incredible energy, incredible vocals. Like, he was captivating presence. And I know I sound discombobulated right now. It's because I am. I don't really know what to say. And especially, you know, we're obviously a very kind of... Uh, light-hearted podcast we like to kind of take a sideways glance at, at the world of music but also stuff like this is genuinely quite harrowing and following in the wake of chris cornell as well it's it, it's very difficult and what i would say to anybody listening who is struggling with any kind of mental health problems um yeah i mean like look after yourselves yeah um as you say yeah we, we're usually light-hearted and to be honest things looked pretty you know rosy from distant from our point of view as it were um lincoln park just notched their sixth number one album uh, just over a month ago in in the US, um, and obviously looked like they were doing pretty well. Yeah, uh, like obviously, just yeah, you know, he always seemed like a, a really nice guy. Obviously, had his demons uh, over the years. Uh, just dreadful news, and like uh, not a big new metal guy, but at the time, Hybrid Theory just and I, I actually went back to it maybe two years ago. Still stands up. I yeah, mean, great songs on it. And what's more, I mean, like whatever you say about those albums, in in and of themselves, they definitely sort of ushered in a change over the kind of like decade afterwards. I'm sure there's you know a ton of bands who were uh, influenced in sort of like picking up guitars and making music in the first place because of what they were hearing then from bands like Linkin Park. Yeah, um, and as Dave said, just an incredible frontman, great voice, and uh, he'll be sadly missed. 41 years of age. Um, thanks for thanks for making me care about music, man, When a time when I didn't really. Um, yeah, okay, I mean, like that was going to be the end of the show anyway, so normally we would close out with other things to listen to. This week I've been listening to an awful lot of stuff, uh, including, we mentioned when we reviewed Broken Social Scene, we mentioned yeah. do, do Make Say Think. They had a record out this year that occurred to me when I was listening back to that episode. It's called Stubborn Persistence Illusions, and I really enjoyed it. It's very challenging and, you know, kind of epic sweeping instrumentals, but with a lot going on, like not your kind of average... Uh, are you familiar with them? Like, I'm yeah, I, I am. Like, they, they've been knocking about for like twenty years or so at this stage, mm. but with their various side projects and stuff, it, you know, easily distracted. Let's put it that way. Um, and yet, like the guy, the main broken social scener who is in the band is Charles Spearin, I think, and and he is generally probably the most 
experimental of the Broken Social Scene crew that I've come across. I remember that he actually supported the band uh, at a gig in Vicar Street not so long ago where he had like some strange things where he was like, you know, sampling audio of his neighbours and kind of like building up these kind of soundscape things in the kind of a Matthew Herbert style. Um, Real so sonic architect, you'd say. Sonic yeah. architect, indeed. Yes, yeah, yeah, himself and Eve. Club of two. Um, but yeah, no, they are good. It, like that kind of post-rocky out there ideas they do very well i have gone far more uh well actually way way more middle of the road in listening to arcade fire's new record um yeah i've also heard it a few times we're going to talk about it properly next week. we're going to talk about it properly next week but yeah there was a time when arcade fire were challenging and kind of brought you out of your comfort zone and that does not seem to be happening quite so much now craig anything um, yeah, well, I've kind of on a YouTube deep dive. Um, so I was listening to kind of technically a different band, um, the Passengers record they did, which was their collaboration with Brian Eno, essentially. Uh, original Soundtracks, Volume 1, I think, 1995. Some really interesting stuff on it. I mean, the track people might know is Miss Sarajevo with Pavarotti, which is great, but there's other stuff on there, like your Blue Room and just real ambient stuff. It's kind of, as the name would you know suggest, it's kind of soundtracky stuff. It's very filmic. Uh, Dave, you might like it. I mean, it actually is quite reminiscent of stuff that Trent Reznor would go on to do in terms of film work. There's a lot of that kind of stuff. So it might be up your alleyway. Uh, it's surprisingly very, very good. I must confess, for whatever reason, I still haven't checked it out properly, and I have had it recommended, and I will take that recommendation and run with it. But funny you should mention Trent Reznor, because yeah. uh, at the time of this podcast being out, the new Nine Inch Nails EP, Add Violence, will be available. I got it early. And I've been listening to it pretty much on repeat for the past 12 hours or so. Your boy. Uh, look, I'm a fanboy, I can't lie, but I will say that I'm very impressed so far. Again, we'll look at it more in depth next week on the show. But one track in particular, the closing track on the EP, is called The Background World, I believe. And it's about almost 12 minutes long. And remember Twin Peaks episode 8, when it went crazy with that big sequence? And How could I forget? There was this crazy distortion and the all kind of flickering, and it just sounded like the world itself was caving in. Yeah. Yeah, that. <laughs> so I'll look forward to che- checking that out this evening. <laughs> Good job, Trent. That's it for the show this week. Mm. Gentlemen and lady, thank you all very much. Thank you, Dave. Greatly appreciated. As always, we'll close with some fresh new Irish sounds. Fresh from Longitude, actually. Dermot Kennedy. Dermot Kennedy is a name who is... Also enjoying the, the I'm gonna say the rewards of streaming, but I don't know when he's getting paid. Hopefully a lot because he's in the millions, I believe. Would you believe? Uh, he is a very interesting new artist. He's quite the rising star. Released an EP called Doves and Ravens earlier in the year, and just announced a European headlining tour, which includes a stop off at Dublin's Button Factory in October, I believe. And to celebrate this, he has given us a live version of one of the tracks off that EP. It's called A Closeness, and it's really rather lovely. It sounds like this. Well, first of all, it sounds like me closing the show. My name is Dave Hanrady. This has been No Encore. There will be no encore. We'll be back next week with lots of music to talk about. And this is Dermot Kennedy and A Closeness. See ya. And her bright eyes focused on the coastline waiting for you Isn't she all us pining for that last kiss of permanent truth it means to get through Maybe we'll cry whilst hopeful when we think about the past being cruel and I got a thought for those who start to think of love as the pursuit of a fool It's a palace from Rome Into the night, eyes closed and hearts swollen with my loving for you. Solid embrace, kind face, and then the hurt starts leaving the room. Followed by goons, 
Sometimes it's open wide and lights the road at night. You got a heart like the moon. Gather courage if you're doing something, do it, cause she got to go soon. If I could now, I'd never tell you not to love her. However, leaving her a long way from her home. And there ain't no promise cracking over time. A private corner of Roma. Don't shadow the lightweight, good love grow. If I could know, if I could know, if I could know, if I could know, if I had you now. on the coastline waiting for you Don't give me that bye-bye, baby When the night moves into black from the blue The nights have been through Just give me that wide smile Made for putting the songs into the hearts of the doom You catch a cold heart staring at the water, baby Remember you flew If I could now I'd never tell you not to love her Leaving her a long way from her home There ain't no promise cracking over time A private corner of Roma Don't shadow the light way good love home If I could know If I could know If I could know If I could know This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.